0: gentlemen boys and girls welcome to the first ever unity is community podcast by california canopy I'm Matt Sully, president and co-founder here at California Canopy, and the purpose of this podcast is to provide value to those in education and athletics and hopefully, in some small way, inspire as many people as we can to make a positive impact in their community. Now, those of you who are not aware of California Canopy and what we do, we're a product branding organization and work very closely with education institutions here in the state and across the country Now, the content we're producing is more targeted towards athletic directors and coaches at all levels. However, anyone who's an educator, parent, athlete, or former athlete can probably get something out of each and every episode. All righty then, let's get right to it. This first episode is about strategic planning within an athletic Department, And we have an amazing guest to help walk us through how to implement a few best practices that could potentially change in a positive way your entire athletic department. Now, if you don't believe me, believe our guest, Jim McClowry, who's an athletic director at Appleton West High School in Wisconsin. Now, Jim and I, we met at the National AD Conference in December, and I followed up with him in January to discuss product branding solutions for his high school. Jim and I, we started talking and he mentioned he had a consulting practice on his side called Credible Coach, where he assists other athletic directors and school districts develop strategic plans. So basically, running an athletic department and a district like a business, mapping out a three to five year plan, executing on that plan, creating a mission statement. What's behind that mission statement? What's the purpose of all of this? coach retention, and much, much more. There's so much good information from what Jim told us that we had to break this up into two episodes. You get two for the price of one, you're welcome. Part one is about setting high standards, leadership, accountability, overcoming underachievement, and measuring success. However, to me, the biggest takeaway Really, in my opinion, is how Jim managed a bit of a drug and alcohol issue with many of the student-athletes and how he received player and parent buy-in. The parents, in fact, were so into what Jim was doing that they themselves gave up drinking in front of their own kids and would host dry parties. Kudos to those parents. So, what was the impact of eliminating drugs and alcohol on and off the field and how did everyone react to this drastic change when Jim first tried to implement it? Let's find out in part one of strategic planning with Jim McClowry.
1: Well, Matt, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, Jim. It's great to have you on the program. Let's get right after it. You've been teaching, you've been coaching. And then at one point, or what point did you want to start or did you come up with the idea, hey, I have a lot of knowledge, okay? Whether it's coaching, it's educating, it's being an administrator, I have all this knowledge and I wanna be able to help other people that are are in a similar position. So I wanna get there, I wanna talk about that, but then bring it back to some of the individual school experiences and then go from there. But let's start with, when did that idea start? And how did you put it into into practice? And then how were you able to convince people that you had knowledge that would help them at their particular institution?
1: Well, I I I, I think I'm still trying to convince people occasionally <laughs> that I have some knowledge on things, but um you know, um I'll 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 put it this way. Uh this was my experience um, early on in my career as an athletic director. We, we have a great uh, association in our state, the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association, also known as WADA. And um, this is our professional organization that uh, really has strived to connect athletic directors to one another and give us the, the resources and the inspiration to, to do our jobs better. And uh, this, uh, this organization um, has an annual conference and my, my first year, I, uh, I went to half a day of the conference. It's actually a two and a half day conference. I went for a couple of hours, half day, and I think I was just so stressed out by being away from the office that I, I didn't fully embrace what was happening through this organization. But then as I got a little better at managing my time, knowing my resources. Um, A couple of other athletic directors started to reach out to me and and said, listen, you got to come to this conference. You need to spend some time with us. You need to um, you need to get yourself plugged into some support resources. And I'm so thankful that I had a couple of these folks looking out for me because um, as I started to do that and I started to get more ingrained in listening to what resources were out there to help athletic directors uh, and, and really the strength of this organization, um, I started seeing myself as somebody that, you know, I, I think I may actually have something to, to give back to other people. And so um, uh, I started to um, uh, put my name out there to be a, a presenter for some of our mini sessions and to be somebody who uh, was a proctor. You know, you, you introduce somebody that's speaking at the mini sessions. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm teaching leadership training courses. These are our four hour um, uh, courses that uh, are often tied to college credit, and they are national level courses. But i i started um, I started teaching those, and uh, uh, and I've been doing that for the last ten years. But um, I think once I started getting myself involved that way, and started connecting people, um, start, started connecting people other athletic directors on that profession level, I started, I think that's when I started to realize I might actually have something to share that's worthwhile. And again, I, I, I think going back to my thoughts where how do I challenge myself? How do I give myself an opportunity to, to get better, to, you you know, to go into some territory I haven't gone in before our, our, our WADA organization um, really allowed me to do that. So I think that's great. What's WADA? So WADA is the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association and, uh, you know, it's our, uh, our organization that uh, supports athletic directors in the state of Wisconsin. In fact, um, I, I had, I've completed my, um, four-year term on the executive board. I've actually three years removed from the board. Now I, I was the president and vice president before that. And then, uh, prior to that, I was, um, a district rep. And so I've, I've, been able to be involved on in all different levels within our organization and, and still am involved in that. But, but I think that that organization,
0: so Jim, Jim, what, what I'm hearing a lot of is, is leadership and, you know, when I was putting together my thoughts for this interview, this podcast, one of yeah. the terms that that came to mind in, in trying to describe you and in trying to communicate that to the audience is you're, you're almost acting like a professional sports General Manager, and I, I think we can probably get uh, a bit of a deeper dive into that. But that—that's—that's that's what I'm thinking because you're looking—you're looking at everything holistically, right? And then from a strategic point Correct. of view, strategic yeah. planning. So, at, at what point were you like, "Hey, I have I have all this I have all this information now. I have like curriculum. Did you start building out curriculum? Yeah. And then how did you start to? Yeah. Uh, call people up and be like, hey, I have this. I think this can be helpful to you guys at your school.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So So um, at one of our WADA conferences, we had uh, a guest speaker, uh, Dr. Greg Dale, who's a professor of um, uh, sports sociology uh, at Duke University. So he came and was the keynote speaker and did some, some of these mini sessions I was talking about. And I was just so... Um, I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, what he was talking about. And his concepts were uh, there's these seven secrets of, of, of successful coaches. And they were centered around communication and confidence building, um, connecting kids, um, your credibility. And so uh, th- this is where it started. Um, I felt like where, where I was, our coaches were underachieving. So we were at Sun Prairie at that time. And and, and when I say our coaches were underachieving, I was underachieving as an athletic director. And um, we had – of our coaches turned over every year. And when you have a coaching staff of 130 coaches and you have that that kind of turnover, not good for continuity, not good to really help kids to, to grow. And uh, it is very hard to grow an athletic department when there's so much turnover. So Greg Dell came, we, we, uh, I got the support of our district to allow our teacher coaches to be released from their um, teaching duties for the day. And we did a, a full day workshop with Greg and it was, it was phenomenal. Um, it, it, started to breathe some life into, um, into our, our, coaching staff in a different way, engaging them in a different way. And so after Greg had left and, and we were doing our reviews and, um, getting some input from our coaches, uh, it was very strong across the board. This was one of the best opportunities they had for professional development in, in the district, um, that they've ever had. So I started to realize, you know what? I think I can do some of this stuff. I can do some of the stuff Greg is doing. Um, definitely, definitely truly a professional that's been doing it for a long time, but I think that I can take some of the things that he's done and use that model and start to work it into, to our school at, at Sun Prairie. So we created a coaches Academy at Sun Prairie. I created a coaches Academy and they were topical or they were generated by some type of book source. And, uh, I was able to work with the, uh, Edgewood college is, uh, uh, the university, another university, in Madison. Just, just uh, Sun Prairie is a suburb of Madison. I did some work with them to be able to get uh, my workshops accredited. So any coach okay. that any coach that took the workshop could also get a graduate credit or up to, to up to two or three graduate credits for it. But, but that's really where we started to do this idea about. Um, I I had my hypothesis that if our coaches had professional development that was directed to them, it was provided by our department, that we were going to start seeing coaches think differently, act differently, start to establish more of a growth mindset, and we would have less coach turnover because they feel supported and they feel like they have more resources. And probably most importantly, they really felt as if they had a tribe of professionals that, you know, the other coaches at our high school to be able to support them. So, so I think that's where it, it began. And I, I, um, did that at Sun Prairie for five years, uh, in my, my, my seventh year leaving Sun Prairie, but th- I started it in my third year at Sun Prairie doing this. And we went from 27% coach turnover to 3% coach turnover. And actually, we had added sports, and and um, I, I I don't say this. Th- th- this is not meant to be a pat on the back. It's just this is a way that sometimes people will measure success of something. My my first year at Sun Prairie, of our 21 athletic teams, three of them qualified for their state championship. My last year at Sun Prairie, 14 of our 21 teams qualified for their state championship, and so and we've also saw an increase in participation. Um, from I, th- I think it was fifty three uh, percent okay. to sixty seven percent kids
0: participate. So, those, so Jim, those those are amazing numbers. So you go you go from three uh, programs quali- or three teams qualifying yeah. for state championships mm-hmm. to fourteen out of twenty one yeah. yeah. in your last year. And we talked a little bit about this before, but how do how do you how did you measure or figure out what was working, what wasn't working? And you're like, well, we're doing this and we're we're getting success here. We're doing this, we're getting success here. Maybe this isn't work- working quite well. How did, you, how did you really develop that program? And then how long did it take for you to figure out that I need to do this, that I need to do this, I need to do that. And if we do say it's these five steps or whatever, each year or five things yeah. each year that were progressively going to get better as a school, as a department, and then each individual athletic program and or team. At what point were you able to figure that out? And how long did that take?
1: Um, I, th- I think it took me about m- the middle of my second year. So I was at Sun Prairie for seven years. So, so it took me the middle of my seventh year. I- I'm sorry, the middle of my second year. Which would have also been my, in the middle of my fifth year as an athletic director, and um, I, I've identified some some um, targets that seem to be very common across programs that were most successful, programs that were achieving at the at the level that they were supposed to be achieving at, and so um, one of one of those one of those things is we we needed to get ourselves around the conversation, the elephant on the table about underage drinking in our community. And so we, we wanted, we, we targeted that very specifically. So we, we brought in a national speaker uh, named jo- Dr. John Underwood to target, uh-huh. to, to start the conversation. And he did a workshop with our parents, with our kids, with our student leaders, with our coaches. And we took his language and we started to make that our own. So he has a, he has a program called uh, Life of an Athlete. And so we made that part of what we did at our school and um, our own Life of an Athlete program. And uh, it, it was targeting the specific behavior of underage drinking and drug use, and we started to we started to change the way we did business, telling parents, hey, when you have the when the team comes over to your house, parents aren't drinking upstairs, and then kids downstairs, you know, doing something else. We're gonna make we're gonna stop making alcohol part of what we do. So we we changed a lot of things that we did that that may have uh, sure had, had, had had adults. Um, casually you know it's so much a part of people's culture and life particularly in Wisconsin I'm told <laughs> you know <laughs> and, uh, and and like if that's if if that's something we can wave a, a flag about that's not something to be very proud of because it's it's it actually is very destructive but we we, we attack we attack the conversation at the police department listen if, if one of our students is underage drinking don't give them a break hold them accountable okay write right. them the ticket Okay, and then having the conversations with parents really changed our culture because parents started to get involved in in the conversation, and um, so 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 that Jim, how
0: how did how did you go about having that conversation with the parents, and then what was what was the response?
1: Good question. So so we. I, I really wanted this to start with our kids. Our kids need to be the catalysts for it. So um, t- to get to that point, to, to answer that question, this whole initiative started with six kids. I took, I invited six kids to my office. We went into the gym and we said, "What?" I said, "Let's look up at the banners. What do you see?" And you know, they look at me like I'm purple. Well, what do you mean? There, there's dates. And I said to them, but, well, what do you what do you see?" And my my suggestion to them is, "Don't you see the blanks where there could have been?" other state championship dates, other conference championship dates. There's a lot of blank space there. And we underachieved because we had students that made a decision to get involved with drugs and alcohol. And so I knew that these six kids that I picked were kids that wanted to do things the right way. Anyways, six months later, it was 138 kids and I only recruited six. Wow. So the other 132 kids that were uh, where our life of an athlete kids um, were recruited by each other. Kids wanted to be part of this initiative. we were going to talk about it. Um, and, 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 and so and we, these we, these so. were
0: kids from all the programs. So campus. yeah, so I, I I purposely chose
1: kids that were going into. I think it was, I think it was three juniors to be, three seniors to be, and um, I, the, the question was, I how do you guys feel? About us underachieving, are we ready to underachieve again? <laughs> and but so, they, but
0: they were um, able to yeah. recruit yes. kids, yeah, uh, boys and girls from mm-hmm. all the other sports, the majority yeah. of other sports yeah. on campus. Yes, and so we, uh, w-
1: from that group, and I, and I, I know your question was about the parent part, but I, I, yep. I, I think this part of the story is important: is that. Um, We started to have, uh, we started having dry parties. We call them dry parties at the high school. So we, um, a a dry party in the pool, (laughs) dry party, open gym night, dry dry party, pizza party. And we we wanted to make where, where uh, the peer pressure was. Yeah. You better be here at school for this gathering. And we had coaches and parents that were part of the chaperones for those. But, but the idea was we want to get kids in their school. We wanted to get kids in a location which was drug and alcohol free. And if you weren't there, hmm, we, we're wondering where you are. You know, right. so there's the opposite peer pressure. So, so there's that piece. Um, uh, we, we did a, a life of an athlete campaign where we, we wanted our own kids on posters. And so we had several poster initiatives where um, we had kids uh, specifically, st- we had st- st- statistics and data. And we had the faces of our own kids on a lot of our posters. And then you asked about the parent piece is um, we had a parent meeting and I, I had our, those six kids share the information. Here's the data. This is how many student athletes have made a decision to get involved with drugs and alcohol in the last couple of years. And this is how many games that we have lost. We have had, I, I can't remember the data, but hundred we've lost, uh, you know, the, the, 31 student athletes that got involved in drugs and alcohol collectively lost 257 games and that means 17 teams went to a game at least one game without a full roster because student athletes made a decision to get involved with drinking and so so
0: 31 okay so 31 student athletes were they they didn't attend the games because they were partying or yeah. They were ineligible. They were ineligible. Okay. Yeah,
1: 30, yeah thirty-one. So I, I I don't remember the exact number, Matt, but thirty-one student athletes made a decision. We and I we put it that way. These aren't mistakes. The, these aren't mistakes. These are decisions. And so, and we're, we're not going to we, we we're gonna we're gonna call it what it is. Everybody knows. Everybody's gone through the training and, you know, knows what's expected, what's not. And but our point was going back to the banners in the gym. If we have 31 student athletes deciding to drink or do drugs, they're going to be held accountable, which means they're not going to be able to play. And now we have 17 teams that don't have a full; they do not have their entire team playing. So that that fractures uh, it fractures the sanctity of a team. It fractures the direction everybody's trying to go. And uh, we had we had one. So Sun Prairie, since um, the year before I got hired to Sun Prairie till now, I think they've won six state baseball championships. So they were good before I got there, they were good while I was there. I think they got they've gotten even better after I left, which is how most things are. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but my my uh second to last season there, we had uh five seniors on the team. Four of the seniors made a decision to get involved with alcohol late in the season and the suspension they would have been suspended for uh for I think it would have been five or six games each, but the coach made a decision to kick them off the team. They're seniors. They should know better. So the lone senior that was left on that team, the kid Uh that grew up with these kids and played T-ball with them, and they've been playing and dreaming together about hoisting up a trophy, the one senior that did it right, we got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs because all four of those seniors were were starters for us. And that really – allowed us that that really propelled the next level of the conversation we're, we weren't trying to shame anybody that wasn't the point point. and we love our kids we're not gonna we're not gonna um treat them badly uh, but but part of their journey was they made a decision and part of their journey was they ended up hurting the rest of their team and we needed to tell that story we didn't use names but we told the story and that lone senior told the story you know so um
0: so on the flip and and i like taking it taking it deep dive on, yeah. on, on kind of all perspectives, because you, you were a student athlete. I was a student athlete in high school, and of course, in college, you know, same type of thing from the student athlete point of view. And I, I was a baseball player, too. Uh, from the student athlete point of view, your seniors. You decide to have uh, a couple of drinks or whatever you do, which you're underage. You shouldn't be doing that. But these these kids decided to do that. Um, and so they're they're kicked off the team. Were these were these kids in a position to be able to go and play at the next level? And if so, did that did that really hurt them by getting kicked off the team? I'm just kind of curious from that aspect. Because this I think this kind of goes into yeah. your point of you're making the you're making the wrong decisions. Here's what it leads to. So I'm just kind of curious what happened to those particular kids who got kicked off the team?
1: Yeah. So you know, um, I'm I'm trying to remember out of that group if any of them went on to play at the next level. They're sure good enough to play at the next level. Um, you know, I I I think a couple of them started at a local college and then dropped out, and then a couple of them went on and and you know, th- even with the story, this does not have to define kids. And I think those were my those are usually my exact words. This doesn't have to define you. We still I love you. We're still going to do everything we can to help you graduate. We want you to be help, healthy, but but um, you can't play anymore. But we're going to help you graduate. That's, that's why we're here. So so I I, I don't recall. Um, I know they they were unhappy. <laughs> and, sure. and there were a couple of kids that clearly hadn't bought into what we were trying to do. And, you know, it, it, is it their fault? We don't look at it that way. Is it their fault we didn't win a state championship? They, they made a decision that is very reflective of a lot of – a lot of students across um, the land, you know, it's the landscape of, of how a lot of high schools operate, a lot of high school kids operate, I should say, not high schools, but high school age kids. And so it was more important for them to go get high than it was for them to um, do what they needed to do to help their team be as successful as possible. So therefore we underachieved and there's clearly, there's a date missing up on that, on that uh, banner from that experience. At least that's, that that's the drama of how I'm telling the story, anyways.
0: And, but it, in in my opinion, it's brilliant because that correlation from hey, we're we're doing this, we're not supposed to be doing this because yeah, we're underage and we're athletes, and we're trying to accomplish something. That correlation between hey, we shouldn't be doing this to uh, we don't have any conference championships, we don't have any state championships, and mm-hmm. and look at look at how all of that. Is kind of working cohesively. Um, yeah. I think is extremely powerful. And then you talked about, let's see, I'm looking at the numbers here. Yeah, uh, 14 out of 14 out of 21 your last year that were competing for a state championship, as opposed to only three that first year in the buy-in. That's that's one of the things I'm most impressed about because, as you know, being a leader, an administrator, mm-hmm. a coach, getting buy-in from everybody, especially the kids, right mm-hmm. is is the most important thing. And I'm really curious and and going back to the parents and and there's so much good information here, what was the parent's initial response when you're like, "Hey, you got the kids over? You're not ha- you know, it, it's not a good idea to be having having a drink. I, I don't care if it's a Friday, it's a Saturday whatever, were they, were they, did they buy in right away? Or was there a little bit of pushback?
1: You know, um, there, there wasn't, there wasn't actually a lot of pushback because we were, I think, I think we did it a right way. I think, I think it the, the way of starting with our kids and having our kids be the voices of, of this initiative, telling the story, um, to our parents, telling them to our middle school kids t- talking about these issues, I think was, was a right way to do it. Um, we presented a lot of data to parents, a lot of, so I had mentioned Dr. John Underwood had come and it wasn't a don't, don't, don't drink, just say no message. It was a, here's the science. Here's what it does to your brain. Here's what this does to your adolescent brain. Here's how uh, one episode of drinking in a 15 year old's uh, body and mind can actually undo uh, eight days of strength training. I mean, that that makes no sense. So we, we started to appeal to that, you know, all right, you spend $1,000 every six months for your kid to do this. They have this special training with their elite training coach, and then they have a situation where they get involved in drinking, and that can actually undo the work and slow down the process of body recovery. So we we wow. went to the science of it, and the, the science is amazing. It's stuff that I had never heard before until, until I met John Underwood, and we, we, we just appealed to people's intelligence and we started to use terms. We started to use terms. You're either going to be a real athlete. Or you're going to be a fake athlete and parents, here's, here's your role. And the, the more you make alcohol part of your kids' lives, it, 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 even if, even if it's just beer at dinner, you're, you're giving a message to your kids, you're desensitizing them to it. And by not knowing where your kids are at night, by, by your, by stop parenting kid your your children and not knowing where they are and who they're with that is enabling um, a 16 17 18 year old to make some decisions that um, they need some help making and so we try to continue to encourage parents to keep parenting your kids stay in the street hang on to the back of that bike as long as you can you know it's it's okay it's okay to stay in the street with your kids um, and um my my illustration was parent teaching their kids how to ride a bike. Some people hang on the back of the bike way too long <laughs> and oh, others, yeah. others yeah. let go too quickly, but stay in the street and still be a parent, have these conversations with your kids. And so it, it so this is, this is how I know that there was buy-in. We, we, we had, um, more of our kids playing at a higher level. So even if they even if kids prior, if kids were drinking and doing drugs and not everybody got caught and there was a percentage of kids still under that type of influence and in they're playing, they're not going to be able to perform at their best. The data shows everything slows down, you're not going to be at your best. And the in that drugs now call do stay in your system after the after the, the episode. So we we saw our kids practicing and playing at a higher level. We saw kids healthier, uh, less injury. As we got toward the end of the year, we actually had kids in peak performance toward the end of their seasons. Um, in our, I, I think we went from thirty-one down to seven reported and investigated situations by my last year of, wow. of student athletes involved in alcohol and drugs. It was very minimal, and, and and we I think putting it all together, the professional development for our coaches, that was part of our plan, and then. The this initiative, this life of an athlete initiative, where we got this conversation on the table, including parents. Um, those two pieces, right there, and in, in the other pieces that we we done, we've done. Th- those were intentional ways to help us to stop underachieving, and um, uh, they were they were two huge, huge pieces. And the the lack of the the, um, the decline in coach turnover, and the decline in uh, injuries of kids, the decline of tardiness, the decline of um, students that um, were being coded for choosing to do drugs and alcohol, and the increase in, I, I've, I've gotten this, uh, this was a regular occurrence, Matt. I would get a phone call or an email from a parent, hey, Jim, I just want to let you know, boys basketball team's going to be at our house tonight, and um, I, I, we've connected with all the parents, they know where their kids are going to be, we're not going to have any alcohol in the house at all. I mean I I I th- I think I got about 7 phone calls like that from different parents really wanting to be part of our initiative. I didn't ask for that, but I was yeah. getting it unsolicited and so people really they they bought in because
0: they started to see the success that we were having. And so how did on a personal level how did that make you feel that the information that you're providing that you felt was extremely powerful and one of the biggest reasons why there wasn't the success with each individual program. That that particular reason you, you you found that this is really going to help the kids and then the parents agreeing with it and then actually more than just saying, Yeah, we're gonna do this, but actions speak louder than words, right? Um yeah. them actually owning up to it. How did that make you feel? Well you know,
1: that, that that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I have not been a great celebrator, <laughs> you know, onto the next thing. I think it's ingrained in me from my high school coaches. You're only as good as your last win. Move on to the next, you know, just keep moving. But I, but in, in our business and in education, we don't, we can't always measure the success in test scores and in championships and wins. You, you can't always measure it that way. There's, there's, there's all, all these smaller pieces that are such an important part of it. And that's where your focus should be. Our focus was on being clean, and trying to support our coaches—that's where our focus was. And to me, um, that's what I was excited about. I was excited about that—that that our coaches felt supported, that our coaches felt like they had more resources, that our coaches were having better relationships with kids, becoming better communicators. That—that uh, that to me is a is a huge win right there. That that helped me to appreciate that people can work collectively toward a goal and, and we can achieve that goal. Uh, and, and, and really it didn't take a long time to do that. It just, we were just very intentional. So I was, I was excited about that. And then the, I really wasn't sure, man, I, you know, when you, when you, when you go into that unchartered territory, particularly when you talk about something about drinking and getting that on the table and asking adults to not make this a part of their life in front of their kids. I mean, you're, I mean, in Wisconsin, anyways, you know, you, it, it's like you're taking water away from people. You know, that's a that's a little dramatic there. But, but I'm I'm not. I've been in Wisconsin 25 years. I'm still not a cheesehead. I still root for the Chicago Bears, uh-huh. but I love being in Wisconsin. I love the coaches I work with. I've I've, I've immensely love the kids that I work with, and so I, I'm I'm a Wisconsin guy now. But this whole drinking thing, if it's a Wisconsin thing, I uh. uh it's it's something that is it, just and room, I hate to it, cut it off. Of many, is,
0: oh, it's it's one of those. Is it is it Wisconsinonian, Wisconsin Wisconsinite? I'm going back to Wisconsinites.
1: Yeah, Wisconsinites. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's actually the official term is cheeseheads, but Wisconsinites is the. Because
0: uh, <laughs> I'm going back to Anchorman, right? There you go. Yes. You yeah, know yeah, that, yeah, all that yeah. stuff pops into my head. And so yeah. really, you're being serious. It is Wisconsinite. Yeah. Or cheesehead. Either way. The locals are good with that. Cheesehead,
1: they're probably more they're, they're probably better with cheesehead. You know, they're proud proud of that.
0: So that is part one. Hope you enjoyed it. Part two is coming up very shortly. Stay tuned. A quick note. About Jim, he's actually from Chicago, and still roots for the Bears and the Bulls. The Bears and the Bulls and the rest of the teams from Chicago. I'm not sure if it's Chicago win, Chicago win, Chicagoan, Chicago in I'm pretty sure it's that one. You got me on that. Okay, fantastic. If you have any questions. Hit me up on Twitter at Matt Sully3. That's at Matt Sully3, or send an email to info at Californiacanopy.com. And if you want to contact Jim directly, please email him at mclowryjames at us. We're going back now. M-C-C-L-O-W-R-Y-James at aasd.k12.wi.us. Also, subscribe to our branding question of the week at californiacanopy.com. Now, part two of strategic planning is coming up next. Maybe you can start your own consulting practice to earn additional income. Plus, much more in part two of strategic planning with Jim McClowry, I'm Matt Sully, and I am out of here! Woo!